0: Well, good morning again. Hello to everybody who is watching online. If we have not met, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, you can grab your Bibles right now and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, and we'll be there in just a moment. Um, We have been in this series studying through the book of Ephesians, and uh, over the past couple of weeks, we have really done a deep dive into God's heart for our relationships. And so last, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we learned about marriage. Last week, Pastor Dave and Barb taught about parenting. And man, I've just been so blessed by those teachings. Can we just give glory to God? that has been so amazing, those two teachings and just so blessed by our church. Today, I have the privilege of talking about another relationship that affects almost all of us in this room, And that is our relationship with work, our relationship to our jobs, to our purpose, to our careers. I was looking it up and I discovered that each and every one of us uh, on average will spend 90 to 100,000 hours during our life working. And what that means is that we're going to spend 10 to 12 years of our lives at our jobs. Now, that does not include uh, those of us who are um, stay-at-home parents. That does not include those of us who um, have, uh, that that does not include like working around the house. That does not include homework. That just simply includes when we're clocking in and clocking out, 10 to 12 years of your life is spent in work. And so can we agree that's a pretty important part of our lives. It's something that's really necessary for us to focus on and to lock in on. Well, I want to share a message with you today called, On Monday as it is in heaven. (laughs) On Monday as it is in heaven. Now, Jesus, he taught us to pray a prayer, and he said, in this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And on earth as it is in heaven, when we pray this prayer, what we're praying is, God, uh, we want to know your will, we want to know your heart, we want to know your purpose for our lives. So when we're praying on Monday as it is in heaven, we are praying today that God would show us a purpose for our jobs and for our careers. Now I believe that Jesus, he cares about our work. You know, in church, a lot of times, we talk about Sundays. And we think a lot that God really cares what we do on Sundays, when we're here, when we're worshiping, when we're hearing the teaching. But I believe that God also cares just as much about what we do on Monday as he does about what we do on Sunday. And so we're going to talk about that. And from the very beginning, God actually has a plan for work. If you look at the very beginning of the Bible, the opening story of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, we discover God creates the earth. He creates human beings. And this is one of the first actions that he takes. Genesis 2.15 says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work it and to take care of it. And so God, he is creating everything, and he says, human beings, man and woman, I'm glad you're here. I have a job for you. Um, I think parents are really good at this. Parents just have this gift to find jobs for their kids. My dad is an expert in this. I'll drive to see him. I'll walk in the house, and he'll be like, I'm glad you're here. We're going to cut down a tree. Thanks for coming to see me. Here is a chainsaw, right? And so my dad's just trying to be like God because God created work. He said, look, I'm glad you're here, human beings. Here's a job for you. And do you know that God has a purpose for you? Do you know that you're not here by accident and that God has some things for you to do while you are here on the planet? And what I want you to know and what I want you to be encouraged about is that yes, There are some of the things that God has for us that are going to be serving in the kingdom and that are going to be uh, helping uh, the church advance. But some of the things that God has for us to do involve our work, involve our Monday through Friday from nine to five. Now, here's the question. Maybe you're thinking, okay, Brian, if, if God has this amazing plan for our lives and God has this amazing plan for our work, well, then why do I hate my job so much? Like, why do I have a terrible boss? Why do I have a toxic work environment if God loves work so much? Well, I'm glad you ask, uh, because we need to discover something else about work. Because, you see, this planet is not how God designed it to be. And God actually, uh, human beings, they rebelled against God. They sinned against God. And as they sinned against God, there is actually a consequence for that sin. And in Genesis 3, God begins to explain some of the consequences for the sin and for the rebellion that human beings did. And we're going to see one of these consequences in Genesis 3. God speaking here, he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, and for dust you are, and for to dust you will return. So here's what we need to understand. God created work, and work is a good thing. Work is a beautiful thing. But because sin and rebellion are in the world, work is now more difficult, it's more painful, and it's more futile than it would have been before. And if you've ever done a home project and you got home from Lowe's and you thought, I have to go back to Lowe's, I didn't get everything I needed. And then you go to Lowe's and you're in Lowe's the second time and you're like, I know I will be back here today. I'm not going to even get everything I'm needing right now. There is a curse on work, but at the same time, God has put a blessing on work. And so today we want to discover what is God's purpose for work. The the big idea that we're going to be talking about today, and you can write this down on the screen, the big idea is this. That finding our purpose in work starts with finding out God's purpose for work. You know, maybe there are some of us here that would say, Brian, you know, I still don't know what I want to do with my life when I grow up. Maybe you love your job. Maybe you have a dead-end job. Maybe you're still trying to figure out what your career is going to look like. Maybe you're not in the marketplace But you're a stay-at-home parent, a a stay-at-home mom or stepmom or foster parent. And by the way, we believe like a stay-at-home parent, that's a job, right? That is is amazing work. And God has purpose for your work wherever you work. And we're going to discover that purpose today. Here's the outline for today. It's really two points. The first thing is we're going to discover who we work for. Who do we work for? And then secondly, we're going to look at what God wants to do in our work, And so we're going to discover who we work for in Ephesians chapter 6. And you can look with me on the screen. Here's what it's, or excuse me, in your Bibles. Uh, you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, here's what it says. Remember, in the context, Paul is saying, okay, I'm talking to husbands and wives about their marriages. I'm talking to children and parents about that relationship. And now here is this third relationship that he discusses. And he says that slaves... whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Now we're going to talk about the purpose of work, but first we need to talk about something else, because I'm sure you notice there are a couple of awkward, uncomfortable words that... Uh, rightfully so, we should feel a little uncomfortable about, and that is slave and master. And so let's talk about those words. we got to remember that the Apostle Paul is writing, and he's writing to a small church community in a giant Roman Empire. And so let's think about the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, there was a very clear social hierarchy. There were people who uh, were elite socially, and then there were people who were much lower in the social stratosphere. Now the people who were elite, they were called Roman citizens, they were property owners, they were the ones who had all the wealth, and almost all of the Roman citizens who were property owners had slaves, and almost 20-30% to of the population of the Roman Empire was made up of slaves. Now we know in our US history, and it's a very dark and horrible part of our history, uh, that that there were slaves that that we had in slavery, and that was a very racially driven thing. Now in the Roman Empire, it was not so much of a racially driven thing. They were pretty much cool to let anybody be a slave, or make anybody be a slave. And and slavery uh, really happened through a lot of different reasons. You guys know Rome was out conquering people, conquering villages. Whenever a village got conquered, if you lose the battle, Uh, You have to become a slave. Uh, There are pirates who are capturing people and selling them into slavery. Uh, Certain people were uh, slaves because they were indentured servants. They were uh, selling themselves to pay off a debt. Some people were born into slavery. And so this was basically a huge part of the Roman Empire. And we have to remember this. Paul is not writing to the leaders of the Roman Empire and advising them on policy changes. Paul is writing to a small Christian church and Paul is writing to this Christian church and he is saying, we are going to change the entire world and we're going to change the entire world by changing the way that we view each other. But because he's saying, look in your church, there are going to be people who are property owners and they have slaves and in your church, there are going to be Christians who are slaves. And what he does is he introduces this radical concept that No other people were practicing. And he was saying, listen, in the body of Christ, you don't view people based on the Roman social hierarchy. You view people based on the image of God. And he says, it doesn't matter what you are out there. And here, God doesn't have any favoritism. And God views you as equal. And that mindset and that mentality began to spread throughout the Roman Empire. And it literally began to change the world. I think we uh, take for granted in our culture that we should view all people as equal. Um, We're not there yet as a culture. We're still working toward that. But that mindset I think most people would agree with. Uh, That's because of Christian influence that has permeated throughout the world. That idea that we should treat all people as equal, that everyone is made in the image of God, like that's our idea as Christians. We get to own that one. We get to say God taught us that one. That one's the one that we have. And, And so, of course, we recognize that as a country we have a lot of baggage in our past and we have done very poorly in this but we also must recognize that as a church we are called to recognize that god does not look people look at people based on an outward appearance and so we also should say every single person is made in the image of god there, amen we can cheer for that absolutely there's even a, a beautiful book uh, in the New Testament called Philemon and Philemon is right or Paul is writing to a man named Philemon who was in fact a property owner he had slaves and he was writing about one of his slaves and he says I command you you're not to view him as a slave you are to view him as a brother in Christ and so it was a radical thing but we can also look at this passage and we can find an application for ourselves because Paul is writing about a work relationship And what he's explaining is that there are really two types of work relationships. There are people who work for someone, and there are people who have people working for them. And so because of that, we're going to look at that, and we're going to discover what God wants to teach us. And remember, this is all under the banner of who do we work for. And so first, Paul writes, and he explains, let's talk about people who work for someone. Uh, For us, we're going to call them employees, You know, all of us have probably been an employee at some point. Uh, Most of us now have a boss. Even if you're high up in the org chart, you have a boss. And here's what Paul says. He says, if you're working for someone, you should recognize that, yes, you are working for them. But you should also remember and you should say that you are not just working for them, but you are called to actually work for a higher power. If you look in on the screen, and you can write this down and practically apply it. Employees, we work for someone far greater than our supervisors, and so we are called to work hard. And I want to challenge and encourage us. You know, I think that it is very easy to get by with 75%. You know, a lot of us maybe even work in a place, and we would say, like, I figured out how to do what I do, and I can show up and show up and do 80% or 75% and we're good. But as employees who are followers of Jesus, we are called to say, I have a spirit of excellence. I'm gonna do everything that I do for the glory of God and for the good of God. And I'm not just working so that my boss will say, hey, I wanna give you a promotion or hey, you got a good performance review. I'm actually working for someone higher than that. I'm working for Jesus Christ, amen? Now, Paul also addresses those who are in a leadership role. And he says something really interesting. He says, God shows no favoritism. And so, listen, maybe there was a moment where if there's leaders in this room, if there are bosses in this room, maybe there was a moment where someone came to you and said, you're not just a worker anymore. You're going to have some people reporting to you. But listen, at that moment, God didn't look at you and say, wow, you're different in my eyes now. Like, I'm, I'm way more impressed with you than I am before. God doesn't show any favoritism, and so we are called as well not to show favoritism. But we are called to say, listen, if I'm having people work for me, I'm called to serve them and I'm called to love them. And I wrote it like this, if you guys want to write this down, that leaders, we have a boss who is not impressed with the company org chart, and so we should love well. You know, you and I, if we are leaders... Our example is Christ, who is in the ultimate position of authority, and yet he stepped down and he operated as a servant. And so that's how we should do in our leadership organizations as well. Now, we've learned who we work for. Now let's take a moment and let's ask the question, what does God want to do through our work? You know, right now I am a pastor and I love what I do. And I really feel like I'm called to do it. I feel like I have a sense of purpose in it. And I think it's easy for someone, if they're in a job where they love what they do and they're excited to come to work every day, it's easy to feel like, yes, I know what I'm working for. But I believe that for all of us, God wants to teach us some things. I was thinking about a time when I wasn't a pastor and I had a job that was maybe a little less than ideal. Have you ever had a job like that? A weird job, a random job, something that's a little off? So uh, one of my first jobs... I was a valet I wasn't in the ballet I didn't dance I was in I was a valet I parked cars and I remember one night I was in uptown Charlotte and I was standing in front of a really expensive steakhouse and a BMW an orange BMW pulled up and just to let you guys know I've always been more in the Honda Civic tax bracket and so I was excited to drive this car and I got in the car and I pulled around the block and I parked it in a um, parking garage now, here's a really important thing that you need to know for this story. Um, if, uh, a lot of times in expensive cars, if they are stick shifts or if they're manual, the reverse is right next to first gear. And if you're not familiar with the car, it's hard to know sometimes whether you're in reverse or first gear. So I parked the car, and uh, the gentleman went in and ate his meal, and then he came back, he handed me the ticket, I got the keys, and I ran to get the car. And I got in the car, and I turned it on, and I was like, I'm not 100% confident whether I'm in first gear or in reverse. By the way, in case you don't know, like, that's really important because they, they, they go in opposite directions. <laughs> and so I eased off the clutch and I eased, for, I eased on the gas and the car moved forward towards the concrete wall. And so I turned off the car, I got out and I looked and it was like there was a foot between the BMW and the concrete wall. And so I got back in and I tried to get it in reverse again and I eased off and it went forward. And then I got out and there was six inches between the, the concrete wall. And then I did it again, and I still couldn't get it in a reverse. And I got out and looked, and I tell you, you could not put a piece of paper in between the car and the wall. And honestly, I made a bad decision at this time. Because I just decided to myself, I can't go back to this man walking empty handed with no car. Like, I just have to pray and ask the Lord to get this car in reverse. And I did. I sat there, I prayed, and I said, dear God, please. And I'm here to tell you today, God is real. He's powerful. He works in mysterious ways. It would have been a better story if I had just slammed into the concrete wall with the BMW. But I'm so thankful I didn't. And it got in reverse. Guy never knew about it. Maybe he's sitting in here today. You never know. (laughs) But when you're in a job that's maybe not your career, that's maybe not your dream job, and you're just sort of clocking in, clocking out, paying the bills, um, how do you find purpose in that? What is God's purpose in that? Well, with with the rest of our time today, I want to share with us uh, seven things from Scripture that God gives us as things that he wants to do through our jobs. And I promise you we're going to move quickly through these seven things, and I believe they're going to be practical and they're going to be helpful for us. And I want to encourage you. You don't have to go home and try to memorize all seven things, try to apply all seven things right now, but maybe look and pray and say, God, what is one thing that you want to show me today through this? So what does God want to do in our work? Well, the first thing that God wants to do for our work is this, that our work provides for our families. Our work provides for our families, and scripturally, this is a theme. God provides us work so that we, in turn, can provide for our families. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, the man who does not provide for his family is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so it's very important that we take a responsibility seriously to provide for our families. But, but I put this first, and I explain this as the first principle of work, and, and this is why. Um, as I've worked with college students, as I've worked with young adults over the years, um, one of the things that I have discovered is that a lot of times there is a heavy pressure on them to go out and do something great and do something amazing with their lives. And it's like, man, if if you're going to live, if you're going to be in this world right now, you got to change the world. Don't just have a job. Have have some calling that's going to change the world. Build wealth. Build a brand. Become an influencer. And there's this heavy pressure for people to say, I can't just clock in and clock out. I have to do something spectacular with my life. And, man, I hope God uses many of us to do great things for his kingdom. But I think that that pressure to say, I have to do something great, is a very overwhelming pressure. I remember when I was 18, it was like, man, I'm gonna do good to figure out how to take the SAT and how to apply for a college, much less figure out how to change the world. I don't know how to change the world. And listen, God may call some of us to do that, but he has called all of us to work to provide for our families. And there's a really beautiful story. Paul is writing to uh, the, the church at Thessalonica. And he's explaining to them that Jesus is coming back soon. Now think to yourself, if you knew you know, Jesus is coming back soon, and as a church we live in expectation of that, but if Jesus is coming back soon, what advice would you give? What is something that you think I should definitely do this if Jesus is coming back soon? Well, what I think is that actually... Paul gives some advice that maybe we wouldn't think would be good advice, and it's on the screen. 1 Thessalonians 4, he says this, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you to do, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. So we're living and we're saying, I'm I'm excited for Christ to return. I'm living in expectation that he's going to come back. But what we do is we say, okay, even though that is the case, I'm working hard. I'm providing for my family. And when I'm doing that, I am actually creating a life that is respectable and honorable to the world. And it's going to open a door for me to tell them about Jesus. So we work to provide for our families. The second reason we work, and I love this one, we work... Because our work can give dignity to the needy. Our work can give dignity to the needy. Let me explain what I mean. God um, created the nation of Israel, and he promised them that he would bless them. And not only bless them spiritually, but he actually said, I'm going to bless you financially. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you crops. I'm going to give you agriculture. You're going to be a wealthy nation, a respected nation. But he says, listen, I'm going to bless you But there's something you need to do with that blessing. And he started explaining to them, if you have fields full of grain, when you harvest that grain, leave some in the field. Don't take it all. Because there is poor people, there are needy people, and that's going to provide for them. Look what he says to those who own vineyards. In Deuteronomy 24, he says, when you gather the grapes in your vineyard, don't glean the vines after they are picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigner, orphans, and widows. And so what God has actually said, and this is a theme throughout scripture, that we as Christians, we need to recognize where God has blessed us, and we need to say that blessing is not just for me to stockpile for myself, but that blessing should be used to bless other people. And I want to speak especially because some of us in this room, God has given us wisdom to build businesses. He's given us wisdom to make money. He's get, it's not hard for us, and we work hard, but we know how to make money. We know how to start businesses. We know how to do uh, things in the marketplace. And may I encourage you that one of the reasons that God gives us to do that as Christians is so that we could think, man, how can, I, uh, how can I take care of the community? And even for you guys, if you're business leaders and starting businesses, like, if you're providing jobs and well paying jobs for people, you're, you're actually advancing the kingdom doing that because you're taking care of people and creating a better community for all of us to live in. So, our work can provide dignity to the needy. The third reason for work is this our work isn't everything. Our work isn't everything. And we're talking about work, we're talking about the importance of work, but how many people know that we can make work our identity? And I think this is especially true for guys because guys gravitate to where they are respected. And if you're good at your job, you're getting respect and honor at your job. And sometimes um, it's harder to be faithful at, and, and I'm not saying like, uh, like sexually faithful, but even just to be like present and all in at home than it is at work because uh, it, it requires a different way of thinking and a different area of focus. And so some of us, uh, we're actually being distracted, and we're going all in on work, and we're neglecting everything else. And our work is not everything. In fact, uh, God gave the institution of a Sabbath. Six days you should work, and on the seventh day you shall rest. And you know, when we rest, when we don't make work our everything, what we're telling God is, God, you're in control of my life. I'm not in control of my life. You're on the throne. I am not on the throne. And so our work isn't everything. Number four, our work, uh, our work. we're going we're gonna to keep going. What's the next one? There we get it. There it is. Number four, our work finances kingdom work. Our work finances kingdom work. Listen, God is doing great things on planet Earth. God is working and doing powerful things even in our church. Every week we see people come to know the Lord and get saved. Actually, this is so cool. Just at this last service, uh, a gentleman walked in and he gave his life to Christ. He rededicated his life to Christ. Had not been in church in 15 years. And praise God for that. We can celebrate that. Yeah. And this is so cool because you don't think like a sermon on work is going to be like a huge gospel message. But he said, this whole week I've had so much anxiety about my job, and my future career. And I couldn't believe when I walked in here that this is what you guys were speaking on. So God is working. He's moving. Every week when we're in here, we're encouraged. We're built up. God is saving marriages. He's helping people to find freedom. Our students are all over uh, the world teaching and preaching the gospel. And all of that takes financial resource. And so all of us, when we work, and we invest into our church, and we invest into other areas of God's kingdom, God is allowing us to make money and then to invest that money into kingdom work. And you know, any other way that we invest money, eventually, it's going to go away. You know, if we buy something, it's going to break down. If we invest in stocks, even if those stocks make incredible dividends, eventually someone will spend all that money. But when we invest in kingdom money, when we invest in kingdom work, man, that is an eternal investment. Our work invests in kingdom work. Number five is this, that our work puts us around people who don't know Jesus yet. And this is so key. You know, I am a pastor, and I work full-time at the church. And so, um, theoretically, all of my coworkers are Christians, I wonder sometimes if they all are. <laughs> they all had to sign a statement of faith. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We, we have an amazing team. But, you know, as a pastor, I love telling people about Jesus. But I have to work extra hard to talk to people who don't know the Lord. And if you're here and you work in a job where you're surrounded by people who don't yet know Jesus, God has actually given you this amazing opportunity that you're right there. You don't have to work hard. You don't have to be like, man, God show me someone who needs your love. They're working all around you. They just clocked in next to you. And I just want us to change our mentality on this because I do talk to people sometimes who tell me, man, Brian, like it must be amazing to work at a church because uh, the people in my environment are just so negative all the time and I, I get pulled down and I, I just wish I could work you know around more Christians. And I mean, let's let's share the gospel with them. Let's make them Christians. Then you can work around more Christians. But You know, God has placed you where he's placed you, not just to make a living, but he's placed you there so you can tell people about Jesus. Share your story about what God has done in your life. Talk about God often, even if it's just little things that you drop in here and there. This is what God did. This is a prayer that God answered. Invite them to church. Invite them to events. Every person is where they're at because God wants to reach them. And if People are at your work. God is calling you to be the people that are reaching them for the kingdom. Our work puts us around people who don't know Jesus yet. That's number five. Number six is this, that our work is for the glory of God and, notice this, for the good of the community. Sometimes when I talk to people, they they say, Brian, you know, like you're a pastor. I, I know some missionaries. I know some church planters, you know. They're the ones who, they're doing the real work. And, you know, I'm just an electrician. I'm just an engineer. I'm just a handyman. I'm just working uh, at an office building. And and, and my work's not as important. And here's what I would tell you. that, That if God has called you to that place, then that's the most important thing that you can do. Because that's where God has called you to be that's the skills that God has given you and that is the purpose that God has given for your life and there was once a um a great theologian his name was Martin Luther and a man came to him who had just become a Christian and he was so excited about uh, his 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 new faith and he wanted to serve God and so he asked Martin Luther this was hundreds of years ago and he said what should I do to serve the Lord And Martin Luther said, well, what do you do? And he said, well, I'm a shoemaker. And Martin Luther said, well, if you're a shoemaker, make a quality shoe and sell it at a good price. That's how you should serve the Lord. And for each of us, if we're in the positions that we're in, in the workplaces that we're in, if we are working hard, if we're working for the good of the city God has called us to live in, then in that, God is shining forth his glory and God is using us in a powerful way I love this this scripture from Jeremiah I'm going to put it on the screen and in this scripture God is speaking to the children of Israel when they are in exile when they're in a land that they don't want to live in and God is teaching them to rethink how they should live in that area and in Jeremiah 29 it says this build houses and settle down plant gardens and eat what they produce Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. And listen, this is so key. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you will prosper. We're called to seek the peace and seek the good of our community. And as we do that, as we work to do that, God is shining forth his glory. That's number six. The last one. You guys are amazing. Thanks for staying with us. The last one is this, that our work is preparation for heaven. You know, each of us here on this earth, um, what we are doing is, is we are trying to be faithful to the Lord. And for every Christian, our goal is that when we stand before God, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the goal. That should be all of our prayers as Christians. But you know, when, when, when God says, well done, good and faithful servant, in, in the scripture, there's actually a, a little bit of another verse, and I think we have it, Matthew chapter 25. His master replied, well done, f- good and faithful servant. Look, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. We learned this a few months ago when we talked about heaven. But in heaven, there's going to be work. In heaven, there's going to be responsibility, not cursed work, not the work that we hate, but the type of work that we get excited about. If you've ever been on a project where you just love what you're doing and you get so excited and passionate about working, that's what heaven's going to be like times a million. And actually, as we're faithful here on this earth, we are trying to be faithful so that when we get to heaven, we could be entrusted with even more. And I don't even understand what all that looks like. But, but here's my encouragement to you, and this is how we'll close, and this is how we can apply it. I hope that many of us in here, we have jobs, we have careers, even if you're retired, that you're serving in an area where you're excited and you're happy to do work. But, but, but for some of us, even if we're in a job that we hate, if we're in a job that we feel like just pays the bills, if we are faithful and we Apply the principles that we've learned. Man, we're preparing for something even greater in eternity. So your work has a purpose. As it is a purpose on this earth, but it's also preparation for eternity. Now here's how we're going to close. We're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. And and I want to pray for a couple specific things. I want to take a moment and I want to pray for those of us in this room who need jobs. Maybe this whole time that you've been hearing me speak about work, you're thinking, Brian, I'm, I'm trying to find work. I just lost my job, or I'm trying to apply, and I need jobs. And so we're just going to pray that God provides for that. Um, we're also going to take a moment, and we're going to pray for anyone who is here that uh, just is uh, in, in a difficult situation financially. Um, and we're going to pray for God's peace and God's provision. And as we know, you know, with price is rising, no doubt many of us are feeling that squeeze, and so we're just going to pray over that. And we're also going to pray if anyone wants to receive Christ. So at this time, would you guys bow your heads and would you close your eyes? If there is anybody in this room right now um, that is looking for a job and that needs a job, that needs God to provide, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. We're in a, a moment of quiet right now. But if you need a job, and and you've been looking, or you just need God to provide, would you just raise your hand in the air? Yeah. Seeing lots of hands go up. And really, this hand raise is just for us to say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm asking you to move. I'm asking you to provide. All right, you guys can put your hands down. Father God, I'm praying for each and every hand that's raised. Lord, I know that it can be so scary or so discouraging in that uncertainty of looking for a job. And God, you have said you're gonna provide for your children. So Lord, I pray that you would provide great jobs for the people who raise their hand. I pray that you would provide opportunities for them to feel alive and to be excited about work. I pray that they would be well-paying jobs where they can provide for their families. And I pray that you would already be strategically putting people in their path, that they can encourage and lead to you. God, you are the provider. So right now, Lord, I just pray that you would provide if there's a specific place we need to apply, if there's a tweak we need to make to the resume, if there's someone we need to text and reach out to that can connect us, whatever it is, God, I just pray that you would put that thought in our hearts right now. And we're looking forward to hearing the stories of how you're gonna provide. Thank you, God. Let's keep our heads bowed. If there's anyone here that you're very anxious and you're very worried about finances, and you're just fearful that you feel like you don't know what the next week or the next month holds. I just want to pray for God's peace and God's provision. And so if, if you would just like me to pray and just uh, ask for that, um, and if you're in a place where you're fearful about your finances, would you just raise your hands in the air and I'd love to pray for you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You guys can put your hands down. God, for those who are have walked in and here in fear, Lord, I pray that right now uh, we would put our trust in you. God, I pray that we would remember that we don't provide for ourselves based on our brilliance or our wisdom, but you provide for us because you are our good Father. But God, I pray if there are people who raise their hands that need to make a change in their finances, whether it's with budgeting or or spending or whatever it is, God, I pray that you would give them the wisdom and the discipline to make that change. If there's something that we could do to help, I pray that you would help us to do that. And God, I pray for those that are working hard, they're trying their best and they just need a miracle. Lord, we believe that you're a God of miracles, so miraculously provide for your people. Thank you, God. Now, one more thing. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, or maybe for the first time you want to start a relationship with Christ. Maybe you walked away and you need to to come back to God. I just want to take a moment and pray for you. We've been talking about work this entire day, but when it comes to our Christian faith, we don't work to get to God. God came to us. Jesus did all the work. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. When we turn from that old life and when we run to him, he changes us. So if there's anyone here right now that wants to have a fresh start, that wants to rededicate their life to Christ or begin a new relationship with God for the first time, I just want to ask you to raise your hand in the air. Awesome. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but if there's people here who want to start a relationship with you, praise God. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, God. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Anyone in the balcony? For those who raised your hand, please pray this prayer in your heart. Just pray to God and say, Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know that I have walked away from you, but thank you for dying on the cross for me. May I turn from my old life. May I run towards you. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. You are my king. You are my Lord. Amen. Hey, can we clap our hands and just celebrate what God is is doing in this place? Praise God. And we believe that God is working. We're thankful for what he's doing. At this time, we're going to stand to our feet. We have just a couple of moments left. And we're just going to sing a declaration that God is good, that he provides, that the, the battle belongs to him that he is the one who's on the throne. And so whatever you walked in here, whatever burden you have, let's cast it to God, let's sing praises to him, let's give him glory now. I want to share a couple things as we close. Uh, first off, I want to let you know um, if you're here and you need help with your finances, um, we do offer a class that's starting in the fall. It's called Financial Peace University. It's an excellent class that's going to give you practical tools about budgeting and saving, and it's an excellent class. My wife and I have taken it, and uh, we've applied those principles, and it's helped us greatly. And so if that's you, it's, uh, I do believe there's a small cost to it, but check that out. That's a really, really powerful thing. A few more things. We're going to have a prayer team down front. If you have prayer needs for any reason, please come down. If you raised your hand to either begin a relationship or restart that relationship with Christ, I really want to encourage you. We'd love to have you come down. I want to meet you. I want to encourage you, and really, we really want to help you take those next steps in following Christ. Um, as you go, we have offering boxes throughout the back, and you can also uh, give online to God's work and super grateful for that generosity. And if you're new, if this is your first time here, we're so glad that you're here. And out in our commons area, there's a center ring called New to Calvary. And somebody there would love to greet you and let you know all about our church. Man, thank you guys so much for leaning in, staying focused during this teaching. I'm grateful for you guys. Grateful for what God's doing at our church. Hope you have a beautiful week, and we'll see you next time.